It is opening night for the Utah Jazz. We're going to talk about one thing we're watching for this season on every single one of our players. And we're going to talk about one thing we should never take for granted from that player all season long as well. It's all coming up on opening night of Team 49. It is Locked on Jazz. Pow! You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA Insider. This is Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. Thank you so much for making Locked On Jazz your first listen of the day. Thank you so much for five-star reviews, subscribing or following. And if you are on YouTube, please hit the bell button and be notified whenever we put out an episode. Uh, we will ton of content for you today. If all goes well, Ron Boone and I will Twitter spaces as we leave shoot-around today. Second thing, 6 o'clock tonight, Ron Boone and I will be on the floor live for our Instagram. Third thing, after the game, ball game. Third, third thing, ball game, 97.5, NBA app, Sirius XM, uh, NBA, cha- uh, NBA uh, or Sirius XM subscription, NBA Audio League Pass. So four ways to get the game. Uh, and then after the game, Ron Boone and I will postcast. So it's all coming to you. Uh, various, various different ways for you each after every game uh, here uh, with all sorts of content. So please subscribe and tell three friends. I mean, really, we've talked about this before. Do you really want to go through a jazz season talking to people who don't know anything about the team or their takes are ridiculous? Or do you want to go through the season talking with friends who understand? So tell them about Lockdown Jazz. And if you're new... This season, and this is your first year of going through the Jazz with Locked on Jazz, well, welcome. Glad to have you. Hope you really enjoy it. All right, let's do it. So today, I want to do the one thing on every player that I'm looking for. So this is kind of their development or how they could most positively impact the team if they develop this. And then two, is there um, the thing that we just shouldn't take for granted. Like, they're, you know, all of our guys are... I've got something that's really, really good about them. And I think this is also kind of our theme for the season. And that is, you know, if the wins don't pile up and the losses do, you know, let's not forget these guys are actually pretty incredible. And what are we enjoying watching out of them? And what are the areas where, you know, we're watching to see if they get better along the way? Uh, Before I dig into that, congratulations to Justin Zanuck. He got his uh, extension. I think it's good for a lot of reasons, but, you know, one, Danny does, has said it openly, he doesn't want to work the hours. Two, you've got a guy who understands the organization. He's been here through all of it. Great communicator. Um, great, like, very well connected. Probably his two biggest strengths are super connectivity with people and two, his uh, connections throughout the league as both an agent and having been a GM with the Jazz and the Bucks for a long time. Um, you lose that, and then you're really, you know, you're really having a hard time Trying to, to pull it back up. We've got a great young staff of guys. Marquise Newman was just named 
head of the uh, the G League team as the general manager. Bart Taylor who was the G League, got promoted. Um, there's just a bunch of really, really talented guys around who also are helping out behind the scenes, and Justin's been overseeing them, and it allows them to continue uh, to build. So that's good. All right, let's start it off with number 11, Mike Conley. Um, I think the thing we're watching for this year is leadership, and this is not a strength of Mike's. I think if there was maybe something that was lacking in the last few seasons with Mike is with the big personalities of Donovan and Rudy, you know, could he, he, I don't think, ever was able to get over the top of those personalities to really lead the team. Um, you know, I've heard someone refer to it as like the Al Horford leadership. Al Horford's kind of the same way. But it's that he, when he talks, and, he, and it's not all the time, it's really listened to, it's really valued, it's really, you know, they take it in. Um, and I think that's where Mike is. We will probably see this. Like, how do you value leadership, right? This is a hard one to try to totally understand. I think we'll probably see it by just how much better they play when he's on the floor this year. I, I have, and I have a feeling that'll be, that'll be significant. That when, when Mike's on the floor, there'll just be a continuity and a togetherness and an understanding of, of how things are supposed to be built and run compared to when he's off the floor. And I th- I, so I think that'll be really obvious. I think games in which he plays um, versus back-to-backs when maybe he doesn't or nights where we're watching his minutes, I think will be really obvious. The f- skill that we cannot take for granted is the lethal one bounce right off the bounce three. I swear he makes it 65% of the time. But the angle right, one bounce right, you either go under on the pick and roll, we kick out and he slides over, whatever it might be. Um, that, However he gets it. He was the number top four off the bounce three-point shooter in the NBA last year. I think we'll see something again. He's been incredibly uh, efficient in that shot in camp. So those are my Mike Conley. The thing we're looking for and the thing that we don't want to take for granted. I would love it if you're listening on and watching on YouTube. Well, I don't know why you're watching. Like, I now have to put stuff under my bags and my eyes and maybe nervous angst to a, another season or whatever. I probably had the worst night's sleep I've had when not camping. And I do have a rule now. I don't sleep on the ground. I'm 52 years old and I don't sleep on the ground anymore. So I shouldn't have bad night's sleep like I did today. But I just did. Um, nonetheless... Um, the point of that was not that. The point of that was if you wanted to comment in the comment section about what you're looking for out of these players you want to see, it'd be great. For Jordan Clarkson, I'm looking for calmness. He was had such frenetic energy to start the year last year, and that's how we wanted him to play as the sixth man. As a starter, I've seen a calmness and a patience. Patience might be a better word to his game this year that we've never seen before. And I thought it was kind of cool. Um, now, I'm curious to see when the lights go on tonight and it counts and you're on a team that could be offensively challenged, do you still have that calmness and that patience and are you still looking to get everybody else involved? That's what he did in the two preseason games, three preseason games when he started. And it looked great and he looked like a different player and he did the Jordan Clarkson chameleon thing and he just showed great maturity um, and ability to develop, and now uh, I think you know. Can are we going to see that uh, from him once the lights are on? It counts. Like if you score eleven in a preseason game, nobody cares. So let's see that. The skill that we should never take for granted is that flame on Jordan Clarkson, but specifically, and I think this will be super important on this team: the quick transition three. Like one thing we haven't talked about is how many threes is this team going to take. What's Will Hardy's strategy around that? 
And, like, how are they getting them? Which I think is going to be an equally big issue for this group, is how you get those threes. Um, so that quick, early transition three, early shot clock three that I think, you know, he actually doesn't make it at a huge percentage, but it riles up the crowd. It's a pretty good look considering, um, I think he was only 33, 34% on it last year, so it's not a great look, honestly, but it's, it's a pretty good look, and it might be a better look on this year's team than it was on last year's team. Lowry Marketing. The seven foot ten, two hundred and forty pound Finnish star player who feels like he's emerging. Like this is a real chance for him to be a star. He averaged nineteen and nine his second year in Chicago. Thurl and I talked about it yesterday. He had a chance to put a ball. He, he did all this stuff, and then nobody ever gave him the next chance to, you know, to 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 grow. And I think this is the chance. So I'm actually just looking at shot attempts by quarter. I want just a massive impact from Lowry Marketing. It doesn't always have to be positive either. One for eight, fine. You took eight shots. One for seven. One for nine, fine. But I don't want one for two. I don't even want two for two. I want to see Lowry Marketing massively impacting the game. The thing we cannot take for granted... The amazing speed and agility for a guy who's seven foot tall, 240 pounds, who can grab a rebound, take it the other way, on the bounce, and get to the rack at seven feet, 240 pounds. It's really quite quite something. Jared Vanderbilt. I'm looking for, the thing I'm watching for, is improved rim finishing. If you kind of dig into Jared Vanderbilt's numbers a little bit, you actually find out that his rim finishing is pretty bad. And the, and the reason it is, is because he had 133 dunks. So when I'm saying rim finishing, I'm talking about non-dunks. And what I mean by, and, and so if you look at Vanderbilt, and on the initial time you look at it, you say, oh, well, he's a really good rim finisher because he ended up making 130, or he made 71% of his shots at the rim last year. So you're like, oh, well, that's, that's a really, really... Good rim finisher. However, if you dig into that and you realize that 133 of those are dunks, then his shooting percentage on the on anything that was not a dunk at the rim is pretty suboptimal. Um, and that is the thing I'm watching to see this year for him is how does he finish at the rim? and in traffic, and in things of that nature, um, because of the fact that, you know, frankly, that's, that's the next step for him um, to be able to kind of make that, that next step along the way. So that would, be, that would be the item for him. The unrelenting, the skill we can't forget, the unrelenting, never-stop engine that's grabbing and stealing extra possessions all night long. Have to just cherish that out of Jared Vanderbilt and his ability to do that uh, for this team. All right, those are the first four guys. Conley, Clarkson, Mark, and Vanderbilt. Olenek, Sexton, Beasley, and Nikhil Alexander-Walker. There's going to be lots and lots of espresso today. Thank you, Spella. Uh, coffee. If you want, if you're a coffee drinker, I cannot strongly, I cannot suggest enough, Spella Coffee was a small coffee. This is a free ad right here. Coffee shop out of Portland. They had to close because of Portland. And they're now selling wholesale or just regular. I promise you, you'll never taste a better espresso. I promise. Uh, Spella coffee. And if you actually email me, 
I'll just let you. I'll let you connect. I'll connect with you with them. Uh, speaking of emails, you need a loan right now. The guy is Steve Carter. Is there anyone better? No. Steve Carter over at Intercap Lending is our own personal loan officer. The best part about Steve Carter is that I can so comfortably suggest that you head over to Steve Carter without the slightest worry at all of your treatment. In fact, knowing that you, just like everybody else, will take a moment and say to me, like, oh my gosh, that's the best customer service I've ever had. That's what makes Steve Carter great. He's over at Intercap Lending. What Steve Carter has done with Intercap is he's just hyper-responsive. He's taking you through the process. You guys spend enough time with me, and I super appreciate it, to know that, like, I'm a... Like, I don't know any other way to probably say it best, but, like, details are not my strength all the time, and I'm a little bit of a jellyhead, and, um... And, like, this guy is just incredible. What Steve Carter does at Intercap with, is take you through the process every step of the way and make sure that every I is dotted and T is crossed and it's not hard. He's gotten me through two loans. That's, like, seriously probably easier to get to Everest. So go to, talk to Steve Carter. Call him at 385-885-28 or feel free to email me directly at dlock09 at gmail.com. Intercop Lending. NMLS number 190465. For more information, visit intercaplending.com. Today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks, a great way to enjoy the NBA season even more. 100% deposit match up to $100 promo code uh, with the promo code locked on. That's right. How does it work? You pick two to five players, and if they go on and score more or less than the prize picks projection, you can win up to 10 times your money on an entry. No competing against other people. It's you versus projections available. Prize picks offers projections on any sport, so you can do NBA, NFL, MLB, NHL, PGA, you got it. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. Safe and fast withdrawal. Current operational in 30 states and Canada. Download the prize picks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. Hack! You've got two new favorite teams this year, the Timberwolves and the Cavaliers. Maybe this makes it more interesting to watch those games. First-time users, you can receive a $100 instant deposit match up to $100 with your promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, price picks will give you $100. If you deposit $50, price picks will give you $50. So don't forget, enter the promo code locked on to sign up for an instant deposit match at locked on with price picks and download the app. We debut it today, I believe. I don't think we put it out last night. Game to game. NBA game to game at Locked on NBA. Uh, debuts today. Or tonight. So grab it. It's on Locked on NBA. I think you will absolutely love it at Locked on NBA. Um, and uh, a great way to catch up on the game. You also, you know, you also have Locked on Wolves and Locked on Cavaliers now, right? I hope you're all rooting for those guys. I'm certainly going to be. I'm going to be rooting for... If I could get a Cleveland-Minnesota NBA Finals here, I think it'd be great. It might be hard to swallow, but it'd be great. All right, Kelly Olenek. I don't have anything more I'm asking out of Kelly Olenek's game. He's probably similar to Mike Conley as the only player on the roster where he's not adding the layer I talked about yesterday with Thurl. So, the thing I'm going to watch for is how he finds different ways to facilitate players getting opportunities. 
He's just really a natural, beautifully natural basketball player. Whether it's handing off at a certain angle, whether it's dribbling at someone to create something for someone, whether it's a backdoor slice cut that he either finds someone on or he takes himself to clear somebody up. He just does so many little things in the game to create opportunities. It's, I, I suspect, and I actually haven't looked at this, that Kelly Olynyk has been a really, really good plus-minus player in his whole career. Cody Zeller, I know, had been. Um, Kelly Olynyk does the things that, like, truly does the things that don't show up in a box score. Like, I hate that phrase because actually we have advanced metrics now, and generally that now will tell you whether or not somebody's doing things positively or negatively. And if you look at Kelly Olynyk, his on-floor, off-floor, for every team he's played on, his first three years, they were five points better when he was on. His second year, they were eight years better, points went better when he was on. Next year, he was four points better when he was on. Then he had a bad year in Boston. Then in Miami, they were nine points better when he was on, four points better than when he was on. Then in his last year in Miami, he wasn't any longer he was better in Miami, or his last half year in Miami, he was better. And last year in Detroit, they were three points better. So in all but two of Kelly Olynyk's ten seasons, his team's been better when he's on the floor than off the floor. It probably is the same thing we should cherish about him and not take for granted. But the thing I'm not taking for granted is the amount of charges that Kelly Olynyk takes. The fact that Kelly Olynyk still draws a double-figure offensive fouls every year is kind of awesome. So every time he draws one of those charges, we're taking it for granted. He drove 25 offensive fouls in a season once. That is so great. All right, Malik Beasley. I want Malik Beasley is such an interesting story. He he came to the league out of Florida State. He kind of skyrocketed after not being a particularly big recruit. Like I think he was top 40 recruit in the country. Which is, you know, great, but it's not like, oh, you're going pro. And then he went pro after one year of, of success at Florida State. And then he goes to Denver, and he plays sparingly his first two years, and he gets his first full year of playing in Denver. This is kind of a reoccurring theme for some of our guys. He gets the first full year in Denver, he plays well, and he becomes a dead-eye shooter, taking five threes a game and making 40% of them. And then midway through the next year, he gets traded to Minnesota, and in those final 14 games at Minnesota, he starts 14 games, he averages 21 points and 5 rebounds. And then the 2021 season gets derailed, and then off the court he gets derailed, and he does he averages 20 points a game in that 36-game season again, and at, taking about 9 threes and making 40%. And then last year, in the second half of the season, he was super brilliant in how he um, in how he did things, but in the first half he had all the off-court stuff and it, it hurt him. So I want to see what it is that created the 20-point game score. And I haven't. I think it's some off-the-bounce game. I think it's some in-transition game. It's more than just being catch-and-shoot. So that's the part of his game I want to see the next step out of. The two things on him I'm not taking for granted. And... One is the dead-eye shooting. 40, he's just a great, great shooter, and his ability to get it off is awesome. The other one is that opening press conference where he openly talked about the work he's putting in as a human to try to get better as a player and a person on and off the floor. And I think it's important for us this year to remember that he's battling both on the floor and off the floor to improve himself every day, and that's what we're all doing. And he was open 
to have an NBA athlete in his opening press conference in a new city talk about going to therapy, so awesome and so different and so great. I mean, I was talking with a friend yesterday about her dad having mental illness issues and mental health, you know, depression issues. And I'm like, this was in the 80s. Like, no male in the 80s was allowed to say they had depression. Like, that's, like, the fact that Malik did that. So that's my, like, thing I'm I'm not taking for granted is that this guy's bat like, Growing in multiple areas this year. Uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Let's just be honest. The thing I'm watching is, can he be efficient? Like, he's a beautiful 6'6 player. He's got kind of this super versatility. He doesn't make shots. He didn't in preseason. He didn't last year. He was one of the least efficient players in the league last year. Like, there's so many things to like about him. But the bottom line is the game's about putting the ball in the basket. And Nikhil Alexander-Walker has not been able to do that yet in his career. So that's it. Like, Nikhil Alexander-Walker is quite simply, I'm literally going to look at his efficiency every night. Can he put the ball in the hoop? Can he figure out which are good shots and bad shots? And can he put the ball in the hoop? The thing you 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 don't want to take for granted is that amazing 6'6", length, versatility, ability to play both positions, things he can bring in so many different packages. It just, like, there is a certain point. Like, as a baseball player, you can have a great swing and all this great launch angle. And you don't hit the ball, you don't get to play. Like, if you don't put the ball in the hoop, you don't get to play. Like, that's it with him. Taylor McCorton Tucker. Uh, this one's really simple. This is that this guy has got this incredible skill set that impacts the game in so many different ways. But quite simply, he's a career 28% three-point shooter. And if you're a career 28% three-point shooter, it's really, really hard to play in the NBA. Um, that's just the truth of the matter. Um, is that it's super, super hard to play in the NBA if you make 28% of your threes. So he made 31 his first year and 28 his last and 27 his his year prior. And he knows that's what he's got developed. He shot 31% in college and he he shot 62.5% in free throws in college. And he is, which is not a great, like those are not great indicators that he's suddenly going to be able to do this. Let's be totally honest. We're not going to like lie here. Like, Free throw shooting in college is the best indicator of pro three-point shooting, and 62.5 wasn't great. But again, on things we're not going to take for granted is that incredible size and power and strength that he brings to the game. So if he can add a three-point shot where you've really got to close, and now he can take the turn in without athleticism and size and get that shoulder by you, he just emerges as a player. Like He just bounds through as a different player than what, you, what he is today if he can get that done. So the thing I'm watching is simply three-point shooting. The thing we're not going to forget about or take granted with Taylor Horton Tucker is power and strength. Rudy Gay, ball movement. He doesn't move the ball. Like, it's that simple. The guy was a massive usage player early in his career in the NBA. When he was coming off the bench in uh, San Antonio, he... Uh, for a while was a high usage player. And when he came to us last year, the hope was that he was going to be able to be a chameleon who adjusted because if you went back and looked at his like kind of last years in San Antonio, he got his usage rate down to 22%. At one point in his career, his usage rate was 29, 30%. Like that's, that's a big time bona fide go-to scorer. He's now 36 years old. Last year, his usage rate was down at 19%, which was his lowest usage rate ever. Um, his free throw rate was still good last year. His percentage of threes was higher. I'm sure that'll drop. He's now, you know, feels as though he was very um, 
unfairly treated last year in the fact that they wanted him to shoot threes instead of low percentage twos. And so I think, you know, this is going to be um, really an interesting thing to see him just continue to move the ball. It is not his instinct at all. Um, and understandably so. But that's the thing I'm going to watch. Um, the other one I'm going to watch on him, frankly, is, you know, he really does love his mid-range jumper. And in the last two years, those mid-range shots from 10 to 16 feet have gone in 40% of the time. And the long twos have gone in 37% of the time. So unless there's almost no time on the shot clock, those are not great shots. And so when are those shots taken would be, um, would be the other thing I'm going to watch. You know, he is a bucket getter. Let's, let's not like... And, and let's not take for granted that this guy is pretty remarkable. At 6'8", 250 pounds now, probably 230 to start his career, in his 17th year of the NBA, that's pretty awesome. Pretty truly, truly awesome. Walker Kessler, Leo Balmaro, Doka, Abaji, and Fonchecchio. What is it we're watching for and what is it we're not going to take for granted from them this season on the, for the Utah Jazz as we continue here on Locked on Jazz, your team every day. I mentioned Game to Game to you. I also want you to check out Locked On Sports Today. It is our 22-minute recap of the sports day. You're busy. You've got kids. You've got a job. You've got a life. You've got all sorts of things. You might have two jobs. The fact is, and you want to know what's going on in sports, this is your ESPN.com front page. This is your old-school sports page coming to you. It's a 22-minute podcast called Locked On Sports Today. And it recaps through the experts of the Lockdowns Podcast Network the th- two or three biggest stories today with the take of the day plus a rundown of all sports. It's awesome. It's Lockdown Sports today. All right. Thing on Walker Kessler that we're going to watch for is how he defends in space. That's going to be the issue as the season goes on. There's still a role for a drop big. Not everything's going to be switched, but teams are going to switch out and test him in open waters and see how he deals in space. The thing we should not take for granted is that this young body can run, quick jump, and block shots. And there's a lot of high hopes for this youngster after two years of college that he's going to really actually be able to make an impact. He, to me, was the story of training camp, was that Walker Kessler is a much better player uh, than we thought. Leo Balmaro. Come on, Leo! We're rooting for you, baby! I kind of love Leo. I'm watching him play. He's a delightful young man. Um, So... He's got to make shots. It's the same thing. He just got psyched out in his first year. And I don't really worry about European players um, in their first year in the NBA. Because I think we talked about it yesterday on the show. They're just going through so much. And I think he went through all of it last year. And it was pretty obvious um, that he, you know, got overwhelmed. And he shot 31% from the field and 28% from three. And he only played 35 games. And I don't know how he's getting on the floor this year, except for when Mike Conley doesn't play. But in those games... Can he make shots? <clears throat> and does he look comfortable? You're, the skill you're going to love about him, he's so feisty and he can get anywhere he wants on the floor. And so the ability to be 6'6", get anywhere you want to be on the floor, and at the same time be able to um, not, not only get on the, anywhere you want on the floor, but be able to be playing in a manner where you're looking for your teammates while doing it, you're going to feel that and see that out of Leo. And then you'll be like me and you'll be rooting for Leo the whole way. Doka Azabuke. Uh, rebounding. For a massively mammoth man, he's not a good rebounder, particularly on the defensive end. The reaction from facing the defense, having your back to the basket to flipping has been not something he does particularly well. Um, And his rebounding rate and his rebounding numbers have been surprisingly low 
for someone of that size. So that's what we're looking for. The thing we're looking for is the layer of improvement on all these players. The thing that we cannot forget about Doak is two things. On the floor, <clears throat> his incredible ability to get above the rim. And totally incredible ability to get him. And two, the challenge that this guy has had to be able to get back, he's not available tonight, and be able to play in the NBA again is just awesome, and we should go bananas for him. Uh, Abaji, the youngster out of Kansas, we've seen very, very little of him. It's very, very hard to tell what we would say we want to see out of him. Here's what I want to see out of him. I want to see an impact, and it doesn't actually have to be good. Rookies need to impact the game, but they don't have to impact the game well. Turnovers are good. Missed shots are good. Mistakes are good. It's all things that you can correct. What's not good is just being out there on the floor and getting lost in the scrum of the game and in the wash of the game and then not having any impact because then it actually, you don't, you just never do. So that to me um, is what I'm watching, what I'm looking for and seeing out of Abaji this year. And then finally is the, um, his body, like just cherish it. It's incredible. Like it's a gift. The NBA, like you came down and he just got an NBA gift body. And Simone Foncecchio, who I did not put last for any particular reason. Um, I want to see how he plays in traffic. We have 15 solid players on this roster. It's going to be interesting to see how the minutes all go. Um, how, I mean, we cut three NBA players, so this is not surprising. Um, I, I'm, I'm super interested to see how uh, he plays in traffic. That, I think, to me, is when the European player comes in and the speed happens and they drive and suddenly the floor gets small... And they get to the rim, and there's seven footers there, and there's every guy's three inches longer than they were in Europe. Like, what happens to him? Um, Balmero has that problem too. Like, for all the talk about, I love about how Balmero like can get anywhere once and wants to pass. His passes actually don't always get to where they're supposed to get to. Um, so Foncecchio, to me, is um, that's what I'm looking for: is his ability to play in traffic. The thing to not forget or not take for granted. Incredible base on a shot with an awesome high release. And that's going to allow him to get his shots off at the NBA level um, throughout the season. So those are our 15 players. Those are the things that I'm looking for. And those are the things I'm not taking for granted. For us, I do think it's going to be hard. The thing I'm going to try to look for from us is the ability to look at games through a developmental lens. And through a 36-month prism, rather than a night-to-night, like, emotional gut reaction and a nine-month window. I think that's the difference for us as fans on how we have to deal with this season. Is we're in part of a developmental process that's going to be 36 months in the making as we watch people add their layers to see whether or not they become the player we want them to be. And then number two... Um, we figure out, um, you know, and then I think the other part is just, you know, our, what we can't take for granted also is just the pure love and enjoyment of having an NBA team. As somebody who lived in Seattle and got an NBA taken team from them and not having an NBA team, uh, I think that everybody in Seattle would love to have this NBA team right now. So I think that's maybe the last thing to remember on the thing not to take for granted for us as a fan. Happy opening night, two-time MVP Nikola Jokic, my number one projected offense in the NBA and the Denver Nuggets. Jamal Murray returns to action for the first time in... What is my notes? This is crazy. First time Jamal Murray returns to action for the first time 
since April 12th, 2021. Michael Porter Jr. returns to action for the first time since November 6th of 2021, where he played just seven minutes a game. And then they've added Contavious Caldwell-Pope, who after four years in Detroit and four years in the Lakers, absolutely fantastic. Locked on Nuggets is a great show with Mike, uh, with Mike Malone, with Matt Moore and Adam Morris. So feel free to grab that one. I'll throw a card up there for you on that. Locked on Sports Today for your second listen. I know it says NBA Big Board, but we're going Locked on Sports Today for your second listen. Enjoy game to game. I got so much stuff for you. Twitter space is coming to you around 11. On the floor, Instagram coming to you at 6. Tip off at 7. Purple is back. It's opening night. Woohoo!